Um, Anyway, we are going to continue this morning in our series looking at Jesus. Uh, And we're going to start by going right back to the beginning of this year. Fortunately, not back into lockdown as we were plunged into in January. But looking at uh, what we we looked at as a church. We were looking at the book of Genesis. So creation, the creation story. What was it that happened when God first made this world? And together we journeyed and we saw that when God first made human beings, men and women... He made them in his image, not just as little puppets on this earth, but men and women together made in God's image, the image of God to be his partners and his helpers here on this earth. That we were made all equal, all loved, all valued. We were made in unity and partnership with our loving Heavenly Father to be his partners in taking care of creation and all that was in creation. But how quickly that changed as we went further into the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve ate the apple, turned their backs on God and said, we're not going to listen to what you've asked us to do. We're going to put ourselves as more important than you, God, and we're going to do our own thing. And as they turned their backs on God, the separation between that partnership was broken and suddenly into the world came division. Suddenly into the world came questioning of our worth and our value. Death and decay came into the world. Injustice came into the world. That sense of them and us came into the world. Different tribes were formed that one thought one thing, one thought another, but they did not agree with each other. And actually, so much of that we can resonate with in our day-to-day now, can't we? That we live in a world where for so many of us, in so many different circumstances, we question our worth. What's our value? What's the point of what I do? Who I am? We see death and decay and so much more even over these last few years. We see injustice. We see continued conflict. We see an increased sense of them and us. For all of us, if we have social media pages, uh, probably whatever you voted for in Brexit, uh, your social media page would totally agree with. And then someone who voted something different so it comes into your social media page and they are annihilated because we live in a world where we stay in our little groups and there is them and us and we don't really want to cross over. There are conflicts, there are injustices. And we've seen even in our young people, many of whom I've spoken to over the last few weeks, that in their schools at the moment where 12-year-olds and up have been offered the COVID vaccine, for many young people who have not faced that sense of them and us and we don't agree, they are facing it for the first time. Because they've got really good friends saying, oh, no, you shouldn't do this because this is what I'm doing, and you shouldn't do this because this is what I'm doing. Maybe for them, this is the first time they're coming across that sense of what it is to believe what you believe, but also to value and love others around you at the same time. We see it even in our churches, don't we? Oh, I don't want to sit next to that person because they're a little bit tricky. Or maybe we won't have anyone else into our group because it might be a little bit more uncomfortable. There are things which are harder even within our churches, which should be a place of welcome and belonging for all. But we have a fundamental difference now between the world at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, when people first turn their backs on God, to the world we live in. Yes, there might be those same problems, those same conflicts, those same divisions, those same injustices, but we live in a world where God has come to this earth, where Jesus, God's son, came down as fully God to show us what it could be to have a restoration in that relationship once again. Because the amazing truth about why Jesus came to this earth 
wasn't just so that we could go and have a relationship with him in heaven forever. That is one of the amazing things that Jesus did. He died in place of all the things that we would ever get wrong. He overcame death, came back to life, so that we know this world isn't it. We have got a future in heaven forever. But if that was the only reason that Jesus came, then he could have gone straight to the cross. He could have gone straight to the cross, died, rose again, overcame death. But actually, Jesus did so much more. Because Jesus was also wanting to show us that we could have that restoration of our relationship with God as it was right at the beginning, here on this earth, right now. That we could be in partnership once again with God to take care of his creation and all of those in it. That Jesus came to show us that we were made in his image on this earth. That all of us are valued and worthy and loved by him. And by coming down to this earth, Jesus took all of the religious thinking of the day, which we're going to look about in a minute, and he turned it on his head. All the things that the religious leaders were promoting and believing in in the area where Jesus came, he said, do you know what? I'm going to take it and I'm going to turn it right round. And I'm going to show you a brand new way of living. Because I'm going to show you a way where all of those who have felt like the outsiders, all of those who have felt like they don't belong, that they are not worthy of being in the kingdom of God. Actually, Jesus came to say, you are all more than worthy. You are valued and you are loved. And we're going to do a quick whistle-stop tour through chapters 5 and 6 in uh, the book of Luke, which is uh, near the beginning of the New Testament. It's one of the books that talks about the stories of Jesus' life, and some of those were read to us so brilliantly earlier. To show that right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and this is right at the beginning of when Jesus started sort of really sharing about God here on this earth, he came, and one of the first things he did was to say, I want to call the people who feel like they don't belong I want to let those people know that actually you are the people who belong so much. So first of all, in chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, he goes to Peter, the fisherman. And so often we focus on the fact that Peter was a fisherman. And we're like, oh, he was probably quite poor. Do you know what? He probably wasn't. Galilee was a fishing village. The merchant, the fishermen were actually pretty well off because they had the best trade. But what Jesus goes to Peter and calls him for is because Peter says, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy of being in your presence. But Jesus says, do you know what? It's not about that. You are forgiven. I want you to come and to be in a relationship with me. What you have done, that's not important. The fact that you know you've done wrong and you want to say sorry, I want to be in a relationship with you. And then he goes on uh, in verses 12 to 16 to call the the unclean, the unnamed leper, So the lepers were the people that no one wanted to be around because no one wanted to catch it. It's like now if you're in a supermarket and someone starts really coughing next to you, you run a million miles to the next aisle. It was even worse than that because no one wanted to catch leprosy. And yet here was Jesus, God on this earth saying, do you know what? These are the people that I want to call. And so he goes to the leper. That was radical. Nobody would have done that in that day and age. 
And then verses 17 to 26, he calls the carers and the cared for. So the paralyzed man and his friends that we heard about, his friends bring him and they want to bring their friend to Jesus, but they don't know how to get to him. And so they lower him down through a roof. You know, if that had been in a normal service of worship, probably someone would have rebuked them and said, what are you doing? Stop disrupting this. Why are you bringing someone in here? But actually, Jesus doesn't rebuke the friends. He just talks to the paralyzed man. Because both of them, the friends and the paralyzed man, were welcome in God's kingdom. They belonged, they were worthy, and they were valued. And then in verses 27 to 32, he goes to the traitor, to Levi, the tax collector, one of the most hated people. Nobody liked the tax collectors. They were thieves. They swindled people out of money. I was trying to sort of think about who would be my equivalent. And so I thought of the politician I dislike the most and thought maybe that would be it. And that would be different for everybody because it's not about who it is. But it's that person that makes you feel so cross inside. But Jesus said, you know what? Actually, I've come for him as well. And Jesus not only called Levi, he went and feasted with him to say, you are so welcome in my kingdom. And then he goes to the rule breakers. So Jesus' disciples uh, in verse, chapter 533 through to 6.11... They were the ones who weren't fasting in the same way that other, other priests, the disciples were fasting. They weren't following the Sabbath. You know, there were 39 categories of different rules that you weren't meant to break on the Sabbath. And there was questions saying, well, hang on, your disciples aren't doing what everyone else is doing. But Jesus says, do you know what? It's not about keeping rules. It's about belonging and it's about being in a relationship with me, knowing that you are loved and you were made in my image. And then finally in chapter 6, 12 through to 16, just this group of ordinary people that Jesus calls as his disciples, as his followers. People from all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of different walks of life. And he says, do you know what? You are all so valued and worthy and important. I want all of you to come and belong in my kingdom. Jesus, in those two chapters alone, and so many more occasions throughout the whole of the Bible, says that he came as God's son here on earth for everybody. Even those who are seen in the society of their day as worthless, as unclean, as unvalued, or maybe who felt completely unseen. Daryl Block said that Jesus gathered disciples not because he needed them, but because they needed him. Jesus was God on earth. He could have done anything he liked without any help whatsoever. He was God. God created the whole world. But yet Jesus chose to do it in partnership with so many others to show that that's what one of the reasons he had come. To restore that partnership and that relationship between God and us here on this earth made in his image. But if you notice in those two chapters, and if you get a chance to go away and read them or maybe look at them in your groups, there is one thing that was the same for every single one of these people that Jesus encountered. Every single one of them acknowledged that they had a need for Jesus. They acknowledged that in their life they needed Jesus in some way. For every single one of the people in these two chapters, they had an encounter with Jesus. When he came to them, they didn't run away. They didn't turn their backs. They encountered him. 
They listened to his words. They listened to the truth that he spoke to them. They acknowledged the practical help that he gave them. And in each of these stories, it's really interesting because actually Jesus does. He practically helps each of them. And I think for us who know Jesus, that is a brilliant reminder that sometimes it is about the practical way we can show Jesus to others. And for every single one of them, they had their lives changed because they encountered Jesus. And that was really problematic for the other characters that you can see interwoven throughout these three chapters. Because every now and then, as was read to us so brilliantly by the football team, and as you'll read, if you read those chapters, up pop these characters called the Pharisees. And unlike those in society uh, who Jesus went to, who knew they had a need for Jesus, the Pharisees didn't think they needed Jesus. They were the religious leaders. They had it sorted. They had no need for someone else coming down and telling them that their lives needed to be changed. They were like a self-appointed pressure group who believed that they had to keep themselves as ritually pure outside of the temple as when they were in the temple. So the temple was their religious building, uh, like a church for us. And when they were inside the temple, they believed that to meet with God, they had to do all these different rituals to keep themselves pure, to keep themselves clean. And they thought that if they did that when they were outside of the temple as well, actually, they would help speed the coming of God on earth. And so they encouraged all the other Jewish people around them to do the same, to follow uh, these laws that said, keep yourself clean outside the temple. And so what Jesus did was radical in terms of what they believed would help bring the kingdom of God down to this earth. Because each of the people that Jesus encounters in chapter 5 and 6 would have been people that by the Pharisees would have been seen as unclean and worthy. They would have been seen as the people who would have stopped them from coming into God's presence and God's kingdom. So actually what they felt Jesus was doing was stopping the coming of God's kingdom here on earth. But yet the truth of what Jesus was doing was that he was demonstrating the very heart of God's kingdom that he had come for everyone, to restore a direct relationship with God for every single person. The restoration of God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Not a sense of them and us, but us all in need of a saviour, all in need of a relationship with our ever-present, ever-loving Heavenly Father, all able to be in partnership with him and all given an invitation to say, do you know what? This is for everybody, not just the special, not just the clean, not just the pure, every single person here on earth. And so as we think about this radically new approach that Jesus gave to belonging How do we personally apply that to us? It's great that we can look at what Jesus did uh, back many, many years ago and say, wow, that's brilliant. What on Jesus? You turned everything on its head. But how does that apply to each one of us here? And for some of us, we just simply need to know that you belong. That there is nothing that you have done that can stop you from being in a relationship with your Father in heaven who loves you so much. You are worthy, you are valued, and you are seen, even if maybe this morning that is not how you actually feel. That is not the truth of what God says. And I loved Donna's testimony. I watched it quite a few times because I just was so profoundly impacted by it. And I loved what she said about how she'd come to a point where she could look at faith and see the beauty in faith 
of how we were when we were first created by God. And speaking to Tim, I know that there are times that we've kind of talked about, and he's said that about Caleb as well, that sense of actually faith, she doesn't feel any anger or hatred. And that beauty that Donna has seen in that sense of belonging and knowing that everybody is loved, everybody is valued, and everybody has a place in God's kingdom here on earth and in heaven. But if I'm being really honest with you, the thing that challenged me when I was putting this talk together probably wasn't that do I belong? I think I've been a Christian for a while now. I've wrestled with that in the past. And yeah, I've got to that point now where I know that I belong. But the thing that really challenged me was the other characters. It was the characters of the Pharisees. Because the challenge that I saw as I read through that story and I thought about what they were saying looking at it was do I always know that I have a need for Jesus? You know, in a world of self-help and self-care and strength, do I think that I can sort it out myself? Or do sometimes I realise that, no, it isn't about me, it's about Jesus. Because, you know, if we think that we are strong enough to get things sorted and get things right all the time, then we are going to feel really let down sometimes. Because sometimes things fail. Sometimes we get things wrong. And if we believe that we've got to be strong enough to sort it out, then actually we are going to crumble. But Jesus says, do you know what? In the moments you fail, in the moments you get things wrong, actually I'm still here and I still love you. But that probably still wasn't the biggest challenge for me. The biggest challenge for me as I read these stories was when I reflect on my life and I think about the times when I have been up overnight praying, when I have been on my knees with my Bible in my hands, when I have fasted and fasted and fasted, they have been the times when me or someone I love deeply has been going through a really hard time. And I've been on my knees because I've had nothing I haven't been able to change a situation for my friends. I haven't been able to change something that we've gone through that's been really hard. And so I've said, God, you are the only thing that I have. And so I've really pushed into God in a different and a new way. But actually, on the days when things are fine, when life's going okay, when I'm really happy or I'm just hanging out with my friends or work's going well, do I still know the need that I have for Jesus on those days? Because friends, Jesus says, I'm here for you all of the time. This isn't just a once in a lifetime encounter that sort of like pops in and out. Actually, this is an always 24-7 encounter. It's a relationship that will always be there. And actually, let's be people who give Jesus that time who let him into our lives, who don't just pray and read our Bibles and fast on the days when things are going wrong. But let's do that all the time to create that wonderful sense of relationship in the same way that we do with our friends. The more time we give to them, the more that we get to know them and the more we feel an understanding of how close they are in our lives. Because the truth is, Jesus says we all belong. We all belong in his family. He came down, God, to this earth to help us know that actually we can have a restored relationship with him now but also forever in heaven. That this world that we see around us, this isn't it. We can have an amazing relationship and encounter with Jesus now, but we can have one forever in eternity with him. And it might be this morning that actually you haven't known what it is to belong before. I'm going to pray for us to know that sense of belonging for the first time. 
But also for those of us who maybe, like I did, need to know what it is to really have that encounter with Jesus all of the time. 